0: So we are on our second week of the fast. Hallelujah! Yeah? I mean, that's awesome. We're one-third done. This might be the only church where the pastor is counting the days, and we'll do a countdown from one week. So we're in our second week, and then uh, we just got to make it to this Sunday, and then it's downhill from there. Amen? You got to be positive. Okay, Um, so let's turn to Acts chapter 5, and uh, continuing on. Uh, we're going to start this time from verse 12. I think we did verse uh, uh, the first part of uh, Acts chapter 5 uh, on Friday, so let's start from verse uh, 12 onward. At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, Solomon's porch, Solomon's colonnade. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem, and increasingly believers in the Lord, large numbers of men and women were being added to their number, to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on the cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by at least his shadow might fall on any of them. The people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together as well, bringing people who were sick or tormented with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed." Verse 17. But the high priest stood up, along with all his associates, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gate of the prison and, leading them out, he said, "Go, stand out and speak to the people in the temple area the whole message of this life." Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple area about daybreak and began to teach. Now, when he, when the high priest and his associates came, they called the council together, that is, the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison to for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported, saying, We found the prison locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captains of the temple opened them, we... Uh, sorry. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple area and teaching the people... Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. When they had brought them, they had them stand before the council. The high priest interrogated them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and intend to bring uh, this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death, hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to the right hand as a prince and a, and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Verse 33. But when they heard this, they became infuriated and nearly decided to execute them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, be careful as to what you are about to do with these men. For some time ago, uh, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee appeared in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He also perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. And so in the present case I say to you, stay away from these men and leave them alone, for if the source of this plan or movement is men, it will be overthrown. But if the source is God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, sorry. Let me finish in verse... Well, I'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, so starting off this morning, um, it says that... Uh, you know, this is after Ananias and Sapphira. I remember the people were coming and uh, depositing, uh, uh, selling lands, and just giving in the spirit. The community was becoming one. And then Ananias and Sapphira came. in, and, and what they represented was... Uh, the yeast of the Pharisees or the religious spirit. And what God was doing was manifesting the fullness of His presence in the way that He had always intended and desired in the church. And so then, when Ananias and Sapphira came and, 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 and basically lied to the Spirit in, uh, in the presence of not just you know, Peter or John or the church, but literally what God is saying, my presence is in the church. And when they lied in the, in the presence before God, their sin nature could not stand uh, uh, to the holiness and presence of God's nature. And so that judgment came. And so on the news of that, people were terrified. People were, uh, uh, you know, said here, they, you know, they respected uh, the teachers and the apostles greatly, but they dare not associate with them. At the same time, uh, uh, you know, people held them in high esteem. And uh, the church and the community and, 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 and you know, was growing. And, and believers were, you know, being added increasingly in numbers. Um, so they get imprisoned and then... Uh, you know, the, the leaders, religious leaders want to meet with them. And then they go to the guardhouse uh, where everything's locked up and secure. But they're not inside of there. So uh, you know, a miraculous encounter uh, where the Holy Spirit released them. Um, it says in verse 15 that, you know, after this uh, uh, person was healed by the gate beautiful. Um, that now, I guess, you know, word started getting out that, wow, there's this guy named Peter. Uh, And so they would come and even hope to have them walk by them and that the shadow of these disciples of Jesus might fall on them. And this is just a a, a beautiful picture. It says that in, you know, uh, in verse 16, that all were being healed. And this was the plan of Jesus. This was the goal of Jesus. His plan, the whole reason, you know, at the time when the disciples were thinking, Lord, why, you know, you're resurrected now. And why are you going back up to heaven? And the Lord says, I have a greater gift for you. I have a a, a counselor, uh, 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 you know, the Holy Spirit, someone who's going to be with you all the time, with all of you all the time. And so the whole plan and purpose of God, think about this, Jesus came, He taught His disciples, uh, He he died for our sins, He resurrected, He showed us what is to come. You know, uh, the, the eternal forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Him. And then He goes to heaven and says, wait for me in Jerusalem. And so the whole plan and purpose of God is that any one of us today who would believe in Him and accept Jesus and believe that His Holy Spirit lives in us, that His very presence, His, his heart, His thoughts would become our heart, our thoughts, and you and I would become an extension of the, of the mighty works of God. You and I are literally the hands of And the feet of God. God chooses through His body, the church, and you as individual members that each make up the body to be a representation. And so, you know, having walked with Jesus as a disciple, you know, out of this world, I can't even imagine one day we'll be, you know, we'll be in His presence. Um, And so you can understand why the disciples would want Jesus to remain. But at the same time, God's purpose and Jesus' purpose ultimately was that a representation uh, in the very embodiment of the kingdom of heaven, of God himself and the spirit in us would be in everywhere. And that's why we say, uh, you know, we, we, we don't call everyone into the ministry. You know, we're not of the mindset uh, uh, you know, some churches have this philosophy, and, and I understand it. But you know, we're not of the mindset, uh, uh, you know, this idea of taking the best from the marketplace and bringing them into, uh, uh, you know, full time ministry. Uh, you know, if God should lead someone in that, you know, as a pastor, as a leader, we certainly pray, we we get confirmation, and we seek that. Uh, but oftentimes one of the first things we'll ask, if someone is doing well in the marketplace and then they come and ask, Hey, I feel like there's a calling you know, uh, in, in the ministry, you know, I, you know, we make sure to, that they would hear clearly from God. And one of the, one of the ideas is that you, know, you guys in the marketplace, you guys in your industries, you guys in your positions, you guys are in full-time ministry. You guys are full-time missionaries. You guys are full-time you know, uh, uh, models and examples. And you guys have access into places, into you know, boardrooms, into uh, educational facilities, into uh, government places, you know, in, into the medical industry. You guys have access to places that I would never be invited to. That the church would never have an invitation to. And these people would never step foot into a church. And so you guys have access in your communities and workplaces. You have to ask yourself, why has God put me in this position? Why why has God so stirred my heart? Why why am I so in love with God and yet at the same time so much favor in the world and, and God has placed me in these positions? You have to believe that God has appointed you and anointed you into that place to be a witness in some of the darkest places in the world that no one has access to except for you. You might be the only believer... The only Christian that walks in and out of that floor or in and out of that office. And so this is the plan and purpose of God that we might represent. And Peter, you know, you look through the New Testament and, and before the resurrection and all the mistakes he makes, he, he certainly has a lot of fervor and passion. And now people are going to him because they want to touch from God. They believe that if they just, you know, if he just walks by, this is, this is them seeking God through a representation. And so, this was uh, God's purpose and God's intent. Uh, On a broader scale, it's the church. The church is the body of Christ. You know, uh, the early church was meeting in Solomon's colonnade, in Solomon's porch, right? The first church movement, the first missionary movement was right there uh, at the temple courts. And. you know, God's intention all along from Adam and Eve, when there was perfect relationship and then there was brokenness, and then the, the, the culmination of bringing his son and a, a, a crucifixion and resurrection, ultimately was that he could walk with us in the garden again. And so, when we come together in unity, in humility, and in oneness, and when we're seeking the interests of others, so much so that whatever you've been blessed with, you, you actually see not what you can do with these blessings, but you actually see what these blessings can do to help others. And when that type of, uh, type of spirit and culture starts to permeate and mix and, and, and you know, become the, the foundation of our community, that's when the presence of God comes. And it's just incredible. I, I, mean, I used to think, um, how hard is it to get you know, 30 people to be on the same page, right? You know, how hard is it, you know, especially in this political environment and, and, and theological environment, and everything just in these days, it's just so polarized, uh, 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 you know, nationalism, everything. How hard is it to even get, you know, uh, 40 people to be of the same mind and of the same heart, let alone a whole church of 250, let alone a whole SP network of a uh, thousand of, of people and uh you know it, it, it seems kind of daunting doesn't it if you think of all the all the uh you know differences that you know you may have whether it's in uh, uh you know various scriptures or, or or views and 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 think about this for a second as as crazy as that seems you know how hard is it for us to be in unity right i i, I love college football and uh during my you know few years when i was at uh in los angeles southern california university we had a we had a very you know a uh, 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 famous football team, uh, sorry, American football. Okay, and uh, um, I would go to the games, and it, it was just, it was just, I would love it, I, you know. And when we got married, I took Annie. Uh, uh, I think like the, the week that we got married, you know, or sometime during that time, uh, to a USC UCLA game, and uh, it was so much fun. And I remember the first time I walked into a stadium, and you, know, you watch it on TV for like twenty years or, or however many years. The first time you walk down the hallway, you, you know, pay the ticket, buy the hot dogs, walk up the stairs, and then the first time you go in, you realize a couple things, one, how much color there is and how much energy there is, and, and uh, the, the, the grass is like even greener than you ever imagined, and then you see the players, and, and then the second thing you notice is how small the field is. On TV, it just it feels so long and feels like they're running forever, but then when you actually get there, wow, 100 yards is, is, is not that long. Um, And I I, I would love, you know, cheering for the home team. Now think about this for a second. Okay? The Coliseum in Los Angeles can fit about 100,000 people. 100,000 to about 110,000 people can sit in that stadium. And you got people from all walks of life. You got people from who grew up in different countries, all across the United States. You got people that from different religious views and political views, and we're all sitting there in this one stadium. And about probably, you know, if they're, you know, if they're not the visiting team doesn't have a, 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 you know, their fans. It's about ninety thousand people, and when the team is moving. And when the team is gaining yardage, and then when they make that trick play and they throw that ball in the end zone, it's like floating up there for like 10 seconds. Everyone's holding their breath. They don't know if it's gonna be an interception of a drop pass or a touchdown. And it lands in the end zone and and he catches that sucker in spectacular fashion. 90,000 people, 90,000 people are cheering. 90,000 people are one. You know, they're one-minded. And so I thought, man, that's amazing. How is it possible that 90,000 people are all on the same team, the same colors, cheering for the same goal, despite their differences? And and I thought, you know, I just just remember thinking that, man, that's what it's like. That's what it's like when 200 Christians or 1,000 Christians or 100,000 Christians or a million Christians focus on the presence of God, focus on the worship of God, focus on the majors, focus on Jesus, you know, put the minors in a secondary issue that we can have, we can still, if if a football team and their fans can be one and united despite their differences, and they don't even know each other, and they walk out of a game high-fiving each other and saying, man, that was awesome, you know, how much greater, in some in some regards, how much more as a church, when we focus on the, the, the kingdom of God expanding. The kingdom of God uh, being glorified. And us being one family and working out our differences you know, as we go on the side. How much more can God be glorified? It's possible. It's not impossible. It's not impossible for the 40 of us or the 250 of us or the 1,000 of us to be of one heart and one mind. Uh, uh, if the world can celebrate such a thing as a, as a goal or a touchdown. Right? Do you guys agree with that? It's possible. Somehow, there's something in us that, that we can connect and we can believe. And so, um, that was the other church. And when the small group of people did this, and when God saw that, I, I don't know. Like, I, like I imagine it like a like a heavenly thermal view. You know, like everyone's different colors. You know, on this thermal view. But then, when we're of one heart, we're all the same color. And, and that's, you know, when God sees that, when, when he sees that we're of one heart, man, that's the place where God's presence is poured out and the, the dwelling place. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, yeah, I think this is very uh, relevant and pertinent because there's a, you know, a lot of issues going on in the U.S. And uh, a lot of concerns have been brought up. And we're going we're gonna to actually send out a formal statement. There have been some concerns that have been brought up to us. Uh, about uh, one of our guest speakers uh, who's, who's quite political and, and quite uh, uh, you know, pro uh, one way and, um, and so we're going to address some of those concerns uh, and, and you know, our senior pastor in, in Hong Kong has a statement and, and we'll share some of that some of you guys have brought that to our attention uh, but I'll save that maybe for uh, tomorrow um, but the idea that unity is not impossible it's totally possible um, amen amen And so I think it's on us to focus, you know, uh, okay, there may be some differences. There may be some things that are polarizing. But if we focus on Jesus, if we focus on God, you know, and and we give each other grace, over time, we can work these things out, you know? You know, certainly someone's right. Certainly someone's wrong. But why do you have to be right right now? And why do you have to be right to the point where you're going to push your brother away? You know, why, why, why can't we come to this place? Is Yeah, someone's right, someone's wrong. We'll, we'll certainly get to that point of, of agreement. But, it, you, know, the, you know, I want to maintain relationship. And, and in hindsight, you know, God will bring clarity. God is truthful. God will bring revelation. And then, and then we can mend and we can reconcile. I'll, I'll get to that in a bit um, uh, towards the... the oh, wow, I used up all my time. Okay, I'll get to that now then. Um, okay, turn to verse uh, uh, 38 and 39. Okay, listen to this. And so in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if the source of this plan or movement is, is, is men, it will be overthrown. But if the source of, is God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. Okay, so the Sadducees and the religious leaders, uh, they're infuriated now. Okay, uh, the disciples, you know, not once, but twice, uh, and, and continuing on. It doesn't seem like they're going to relent. They're going to continue to defy, uh, 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 you know, the, the religious institution. And uh, they get to the point where they nearly want to execute them. And then this teacher, uh, very respected by the name of Gamaliel, says, hey, guys, he's basically saying, guys, many people have come before. Many people with lofty ideas. Many people who drew people away to follow them. Right? But we all know that in time, because it wasn't from God, they eventually faded away. So don't lose sleep over it. Don't don't fret over it. Don't 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 you know, get your hair all tangled up you know, for this. If listen, if God is not in it, these guys will disappear in a few months. These guys will disappear, maybe even in a couple of years. But if God is in it, right, uh, you know, you might find yourself fighting against God. Now, I'm not I'm not gonna just just in case you're wondering, I'm not making that application to our current political climate globally. Okay, so Okay, but, but I'm talking about in church context. I've been in three churches now, uh, uh, you know, as a pastor. Uh, uh, probably three more churches before that growing up, uh, uh, you know, in my, in my childhood and then college and whatnot. Um, but as a leader, as whether an associate pastor in Hong Kong, children's pastor, or whether a lead pastor in Beijing, lead pastor in Singapore, um, you know, this is quite sensitive, but... You know, there'll always be people who come to church. Uh, you know, who have, uh, you know, were, were in positions of leadership previously. Okay? And I, I don't know their backstory. I don't know what happened. I don't know, you know, why they're here. And uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get so much into that. Um, but there will be people always, you know, who were here even before me, right? Who may have a certain theology, who may have a certain vision of what the church should be like. And and, and, and you know, as a lead pastor, as a lead uh, uh, spiritual leader. You know, guiding the congregation, uh, praying. You know, with the board's support and their prayer and confirmation. You know, we guide, and and there will always be people who have a different idea, right? And they may not outright say it. You know, they may they may uh, uh, say passing comments. You know, uh, uh, maybe even in house church or, or maybe you know start a separate you know, uh, a meeting or, or ministry. You know, whatever the case, and you know I've had uh, various scenarios you know in previous churches. Where even core leaders would disagree, right? With with direction or or you know what I felt God was leading in, and and I never really fretted about that. I don't know. You probably figured this out by now, right? I never really fretted about that. I, I pray for the person. I serve the person. I love the person, and uh, I, I just trust that that you know God's going to work it out. If God is in this, God's going to bring it to fruition. If God's not in it, then it'll come to pass. And so I I just have a lot of confidence and trust. Uh, In the process, and and, you know, it's it's never so anxious in terms of timing, and I think that's the kicker. I think that's what usually gets us. It has to be now. The timing. If something isn't done now, and I don't, I don't subscribe to that at all, right? I absolutely believe that in love, in humility, in service to one another, uh, paramount. You know, my, 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 my. Probably one of my. I don't think I've said this enough, but probably one of the things I. I say to myself all the time, all the time, and then I'll close with this, despite my differences with this individual, I want to maintain relationship. <laughs> you know, it's okay that this person knows that I may disapprove, but I want them to know that, that I love them and that I want to maintain and I know that we can work these things out. And so I just want to leave that with you, you know, whatever. Uh, you may be struggling with whatever uh, issues you may go, be going on relationally. Uh, uh, you know, if you're in a position of leadership and, and you're struggling with someone uh, in your house church or in a particular ministry, you know, you, you, sometimes you got to take a step back. And, and I don't look at the person in terms of where he or she is now in this particular, you know, uh, scenario. I try to take a step back and say, God, what do you see? God, what is your picture? And what is your vision of this individual? Help, I, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> you know, Help me see it, God. What do you see? You know, uh, uh, you know that, that, that same principle uh, applies in, um, in, in this idea of uh, marriage, too. You know, uh, let, let me shift gears a little bit. Um, you know, you're not marrying the perfect person. You know, help you figure it out. You're not going out there finding the perfect person. Wow, I found the perfect person, and because I'm perfect and you're perfect, well, we can be together, right? That that's it that doesn't exist. You know, Jen gave a great message earlier last year, around February, March, uh, uh, love in the time of coronavirus, and and she was sharing about how uh, uh, the person you know you know that you marry is not the person uh, that you thought you married. You know, five or ten years later, you know, we we grow and we change and we evolve and. And what you find is that you find a person, and we all have gaps, we all have shortcomings. There's two things. One, you're committed to see this person become the person that God has envisioned uh, uh, this person to be. You're you're committed to see this person with all the gaps and shortcomings to become what God has seen this person to be. You're committed to that vision. It's higher than even your own vision, right? This, This vision of a daughter or a son of God. And then secondly, you're committing to a person who is willing to acknowledge their vulnerabilities. That's someone you can do life with. That's someone you can make covenant with. Right? Someone who's saying, this is me for better or worse. This is, you know my weaknesses. You know all, all the things that I love and the good things. But you also know all my weaknesses and shortcomings. And man, you know, I want to do this with you. I, 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 you know, in my brokenness, in my weakness. And you make that covenant. You make that promise. And you grow together. And there's a commitment and there's a vision, God-given. And then you grow season after season after season. And so when you, when you find that desire to be with someone, you've seen their brokenness. And you have that desire, but, but in spite of that, you know, you know, he or she knows my brokenness, I know. And I want, we're committed to one another to see each other become the embodiment of what God has intended. Right? That's when you know, shoot, man, I think this is marriage material. Right? <laughs> That's how you know, and that's what we commit to. Now imagine that picture of marriage, imagine that picture of the Trinity played out in our hearts, in our community. You know, I know it's hard enough in marriage alone, but what if we, you know, gave that type of grace and mercy and approach to our communities and our house church members and our church and our leaders? That yeah, we have all, we all have, man, pastor has shortcomings. Hostage leader has shortcomings. This, this particular member has shortcomings. But I'm committed. I'm committed to the vision and the picture that God has shown me because Christ has resurrected. And I'm committed and I'm all in. I got skin in the game. We're on the same team. We're, we got the ho- same home jerseys. You know, uh, you know uh, uh, Not Solomon Sports, but the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ. And uh, man, it's possible. We can do it. I absolutely believe we can do it. And I absolutely believe in this environment, God is looking for churches that despite differences can still be unified, can still honor one another. And when we do that, guys, that's like, that's like uh, one tick. If we can do that in this season with all that's going on, man, God's gonna show up. Amen? Amen? Amen. Right? Okay, let's, let's bow our heads. Uh, ask yourself this question. I don't, I don't know that it's an easy answer, but it's a good question. Um, you know. Is there a move of God in your life that you might be fighting? Is there something that God has spoken to you? Is there something that God has deposited or prompted or spoken through a message in a kind of you know there was something that lifted or kind of cut quick but then but soon after the rationality and the intelligence of your mind just just covered it up is there a movement of god in your life that you are fighting against is there something that you feel you are in the move of god that others are fighting against And then what is the fear or concern surrounding that? What, why does it have to be right this moment? What, why does people have to make a line and choose? Why, why is there such a divide? Or is there a commitment and a covenant with God and His people and a marriage? within the church that far supersedes even some of the most polarizing lines? Is there? That's an open-ended question for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, you did not die for nations or governments. God, you died for all your sons and daughters that we would be one. God, even the disciples idolized their nationality and their glory days. And even they asked when you would restore these things. And you said, It's not for us to know these times. But power will come upon you when my spirit comes. It's like you knew God. I mean, that's a good question and, you know, th- there, you know, good things would happen. But you knew that there was something even better. You know, an eternal beyond boundaries and borders and barriers type of a nation. An eternal nation. An eternal kingdom. God, we're citizens and sons and daughters. Man, we know who we are. And we know who you are. And, and that, that simple fact makes us one. And so, Lord, would you bless Solomon's Porch, Singapore. God, the name that we carry, God, we realize it, it, man, it carries a lot of weight. Man, it symbolizes and represents a people that, man, literally left everything behind and was willing to, you know, suffer and then, and then you know, go on the streets and praise people because they were suffered. And so, Lord, help us to uh, walk into that. We can't without your Spirit. But, Lord, that's why we're here. That's why we're fasting, so that your Spirit would come on us. And uh, we absolutely believe, God, that, that, that you know, we can be of one heart, one mind. Because you are real, and because your Son is resurrected, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.